Um, if at any point you have a question that you or you want to you want to push them a bit more, like do that because that would be fun. Um, ask them to go deeper. But maybe to start with, just so anyone here who doesn't really know you can get to know you really quickly, why don't you give us the two-minute version of how you came to follow Jesus? And maybe you want to give us the, you know, what age you were, what did it look like, you know, just your, just your Jesus journey really briefly. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I grew up in a home. Mum and dad were Christians, and um, they grew up in Christian homes themselves. Um, I um, sat at the dinner table every night, and dad would read the Bible after dinner and pray. And it was um, pretty boring. And every frust- night? Yeah. Every night? Did every, you have Sunday night off or anything? No, every night. Yeah. Dad and. Um, so through no effort on my own, I I knew a lot about God. Um, I wouldn't say there was a lot of intimacy, um, not much at all. But um, yeah, it wasn't all good. But there was there was a lot of good stuff there. So yeah, I got to see um, see mum and dad trying to follow God and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. I was brought up in an Irish Protestant family and was sent to a Catholic school um, where I um, was taught about Jesus and, um, and I loved him from then on. I just loved Jesus. They presented him in such a way that you fell in love with him anyway. He was... Um, sure, there were the nuns with the big rosary beads that would hit you and all that horrible stuff, but there was just something about Jesus that attract, was attractive even back then when I was in primary school. Yeah. Um, yeah, from, I think just ever since I was born, like I can't remember a time where I didn't have like a sense of like questioning and wonder of like a higher spiritual power or, or being or something like that. Like I've just sort of, always, and it sounds kind of like cliche, like, you know, like, it's always been there, but, you know, it's just, I, I can't remember really a time where I was like, oh, like, I'm going to learn about this God that's, like, there. I just, for me, it was just sort of always there, um, this kind of wondering and, and questioning about it, but then obviously it it became identified with, with Jesus through through family, so my um, my mum mainly started going to a local Anglican church when I was like uh, maybe like 10 or 11 or something like that and then so that's when it um, you know I was sort of introduced to, to Jesus and his you know teachings and that kind of thing more so, so. okay so if you were to describe the Jesus so it's childhood 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 really You're, you kind of met Jesus as a child what if you were to use like three or four words to describe the Jesus of your childhood what what was he like It was kind of a mystery. There was nothing, um, nothing intimate about it. I just enjoyed knowing that there was a God, or that was Jesus that was there. 
and um, I used to um, love to go and buy the holy pictures after mass with his face on. He was very handsome. In fact, I bought a photo today. Can you put that photo up, Oren? I bought a photo. I fell in love, I really fell in love with Jesus when I used to have this photo on my land room wall. Oh. <laughs> He's a, I know. Look, where is he? <laughs> what a good sort. I fell madly in love with Jesus in my early 30s when he was sitting on my wall in my land room. Just beautiful. But before then, as a little child, I just, you know, loved him anyway. Just didn't fall in love like I did then. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'd say three words would be personal, intimate, and dependable. It was like a real, it was like a best friend kind of thing. You know, like your real kind of protector. Um, but it was also, I associated it a lot with being kind of full of life because I came into like youth here and went to like summer camps and that kind of thing. So it was definitely, I had this connection with culture around it, which can be a good thing and then something you need to dismantle at some point. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'd say like really life-giving and also quite um, personal. Yeah, yeah um, my experience of Jesus was Quite different to that, actually. Um, it was not impersonal, but certainly not intimate. Um, knew about God, and I I liked Jesus in the Bible, but I I knew I sort of had a personal relationship with Him, but it wasn't really that personal. Yeah. Um, it was a lot up here. Um, I didn't operate in my heart very much, to be honest. Yeah. Very good. So now, in all your years of wisdom and of following Jesus, presumably your relationship with him has grown and changed, perhaps. So share with us a little bit now what now is like with Jesus. What's he like to you now? Is he still good-looking, Linda? Do you still have that picture on your wall? <laughs> No, I don't have the picture on the wall. I gave all those kinds of things up, which is a shame, but anyway. Um. <laughs> Why? Oh, you, you know, when you first come into church, like when I first came into the Thoreau Church, the Pentecostal Church, you, you didn't... I used to have home group at my house, and so I'm new to all of this. And I used... I actually was... Um, I had pictures of Jesus up, then, and I had pictures of Krishna, and I had pictures probably of Buddha around. So, But I used to get very strong vibes from the girls that came to home group. I used to have a little st statue to, of Jesus, Mary and Joseph. And I got very strong vibes from those women that they were not the thing to have around your house. And um, I, even the picture of Jesus, you just didn't have those kinds. So I slowly got rid of them all, thinking, you know, that was the thing to do. Um, now I realise that that's actually, for me, personally, 
um, I like to have a few things around that remind me of Jesus. Um, now, um, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, because I am... Um, I feel now like the more I come to know Jesus, the less I know him. And so um, he's gone from being a person I thought I knew heaps about to someone, and I suppose because I'm just reading a lot of stuff about Jesus and mis the mystic, the wisdom Jesus, and then you just discover this Jesus that's got layers upon layers about him and so I feel like I'm relearning all over again at a new place um, and that's very interesting yeah because I've gone through different stages like when he was brother Jesus and friend and you know all those different stages so now it's like Jesus this other Jesus is really deep yeah so I'm on this journey still Yes, it's a journey. Um, I'd say the two um, biggest... I mean, it feels kind of weird to say because one, um, like, so just following on from what you said, I can't remember what you said, but something along these lines. And I, there's this, like, quote um, that I heard from somewhere and I can't remember who it was, but it's the idea that um, God is most easily lost when thought found. And the other one that really struck me was um, sometimes the thing that stops us from our next experience of God was our last experience of God because we build up ideas of like, I've got him, like I've, I've found him and that's who God is. And he's not not that, it's, it's always a both and thing. Um, and so, um, so even though at the moment I'll like talk about like, oh, this is how I'm relating with Jesus, I know that I'm learning to to behold it, not actually hold it too tightly. And there's a difference for me between beholding Jesus and, and holding him. And so I'd say, in a personal sense, my relationship with Jesus is, yeah, learning not to hold him like he's something that's, like, got to be... And even, like, he's got to... I guess now I would say he's not not reliable, but I'm, like, I'm not basically idolizing the experiences that he's done with me in the past you know like he might have come through there he might have provided that but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to provide it the next time and he just wants him to grow and, and that kind of thing and so um i would say yeah in that personal sense jesus is very uh elusive um and in a, in a good way yeah, well, it's it's fr like when you said like, "What's Jesus like now for you?" and my my first word was like frustrating, <laughs> because like he's just like he's the great question asker, you know, like he, he'll answer your questions with more questions, um, and often you think that you've got it all figured out and you've got life in control, um, and then things happen in life that show you that you're actually not in control of ninety nine percent of things except yourself. <laughs> And um, so that's been really, really hard, but it's also been really um, liberating at the same time. And, um, and then I think the other tangent of relationship with Jesus would probably just be, um, given that my initial experiences were very um, personal, I think I started to 
expand to more of the, um, you know, the greater social and political significance of Jesus, like really looking at Jesus as like a revolutionary sort of guy and looking at that significance that he had that um, is so, um, you know, relevant for, um, you know, different contexts, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, yeah, I'm really, really loving Jesus at the moment. Um, I've uh, come from a place where I didn't have a lot of intimacy and I was afraid, I didn't trust emotions. Um, I think I was taught that by, yeah, without realising it, you you know, you learn about him, you try hard to do the right thing. Um, and I've I've had a, a broken heart and broken open and broken down, but it's broken open now, I think. And um, God is, like Jesus, is just reaching in and touching uh, the sore bits very gently and invitingly. And um, uh, it's uh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I'm really, really enjoying the intimacy of Jesus now. I remember Karen Trung saying one day in church last year something about letting God love on her, and I thought, you know, <laughs> what planet are you on? <laughs> like, like I thought, that's, that's great, but what is that like? No idea, <laughs> no idea at all. Uh, but yeah, I'd bring it on. He's, he's, uh, I'm getting a sense of what of his heart and like he, he wants to like you've been sharing with us. He got, yeah, let Jesus see into me, um, and let he wants us to see into him, and um, he, he, he wants a bride. He's, he's a passionate lover. He's a. Uh, he wants us in our brokenness as we are, and I'm I'm comfortable in my own skin and brokenness now a lot to not be right and do right, but to be loved and to be filled up. Um, and he's just beautiful. Yeah. Carolyn, I wrote down this so I knew I would never remember it. So. I'll put it in my brain. <laughs> I have a little book in my bag. I call it my brain. This morning, uh, Carolyn did a little prayer. It just said, Jesus, let me take you as you are, but not as I need you to be. And I, I just felt like that was really important for us to realise that. And it comes back to that whole thing of um, we always want to behold Jesus in the way that we want him to be and look like we want him to be rather than him just let, just us letting go. And the other thing too is um, I was reading not long ago about uh, allow, rather than me always beholding Jesus, recognising and living in a place or a space where I know Jesus is forever beholding me. That is um, an amazing place to be, to know that, I know God lives, you know, the Holy Spirit's inside of me and all that, but to, to recognise that God is forever beholding me and uh, Jesus beholds me 
and um, he's delighted too, you know, and that's, um, that is a beautiful place to live, yeah. Okay, so I want some house because um, I feel like, you know, I grew up in church and we were all like cool because we didn't do religion, we did relationship, you know, that whole thing. Um, and there's all kinds of cool cliches around that. And I felt like I probably got the message of like, have a relationship with Jesus. It's easy. And then I was sort of told, pray and read your Bible and you'll be right. And I just, it, it didn't work for me in the way that I, I would say I would sit and listen to people like you guys talk and there'd be a sense of intimacy and real relationship and like so obviously I could see in other people that it was like tangible and real but I just felt like I was just told to pray and read the Bible and I'd be right and I just think there's so much more to knowing Jesus than not that praying and reading your Bible is not a good idea. I mean, the way we know Jesus is through reading the Gospels. Um, so how have you come to this place of beholding Jesus? Like what do you do or what have you done or what has led you on this path of like unfolding more and more about who he is? Help us out here. Give us more than just like the average statement. I can... Um you know, look, I can only talk from my own experiences. Um, it's, about, it's about being real with Jesus, not pretending to be something good and holy and I've read my Bible this week. It's about the struggle, meeting, taking uh, to your struggle there and sit, sitting in that. How you do that for each of us is probably different. For me, it's always been... Um, journaling, letter writing, or those are practical things. Uh, having relationship with people that I can talk through and, and, and God uses other people to, to um, help me to behold Jesus, I suppose. And the other thing too is that book recently that I read, or not recently, but a little while ago, The Divine Dance, and I think I shared that in church before, you know. Um, the Divine Dance, that's a Richard Raw book, and it talks about the, the spirit, father, you know, son and spirit, all, all being in, together in everything. And once you've got grasped that knowledge, then everywhere you are, it's like being conscious, being conscious of that. And um, how do you stay conscious of Jesus? For me, I've just always done my um, beads. I can't think of any other way, really. Tell us about the beads. Oh, um, you know, um, I know, again, this might sound really off the air, but um, when I was uh, in, involved in the Krishna thing, they always chanted the names of God. And so I, and they were always very faithful at that, and they were always very God-conscious. And I thought, why can't we Christians do that? Why don't we do that to stay conscious, conscious, like always thinking about his name? And so I've done that for many years, where I've actually got my own little chant, Lord of Lord, um, oh gosh, I'm being dumb now. Lord of Lord, 
um, got, oh, sorry, it's gone. But I do have it, and I've said it for years, Lord of Lords. Can you remember King it? King of Kings, Lord of Lords, is it? No? Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Jesus, I adore you. Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Jesus, I adore you. Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Jesus, I adore you. And I've said it for years everywhere. I never, it's in my brain. You know the synapses thing? It's in there. It's laid down in there. And so I can be forever, anywhere, at any time, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Jesus, I adore you. And that's just my own little thing that I've done that's kept me God conscious of Jesus. So, uh, I don't know whether that's going to help anybody. No, right. they all think that's quite weird. No, anyway. it's fine. Before you pass on the mic, so I want to go back to the bit before because that's quite tangible. The bead, that's a quite a tangible thing to be able to have a something that you say. It's a mantra. Yes. Or a, a meditation. It it's a very, very common spiritual practice to have yes. a meditation yes. of just a few words that yes. you yes. repeat in your mind because it keep. it's like a – anyway, it's it's very ancient good spiritual practice. Um, I want to go back to the, the being real thing. I just tell Jesus everything. Can you give us an example, with, you know, that you feel comfortable sharing where, like, can you really unpack it for us how you've done that? Um. You know, I haven't always been good. <laughs> um, and I've struggled heaps in my life with my um, emotions and with my, um, yeah, with life. Um, and, I, and I've found that I've had, uh, let me think of an example. You know, um, I can I, I don't know whether I can think of a, a personal one off the top of my head. I can think of one. You know, um, I was just sharing this with someone the other day. Um, when uh, my son Patrick died, and it was years later, you know, you go into this valley and you come out the other end. You do actually get out the other end. But there was this time when, uh, towards the end of that six years when I had this real deep, and I've shared this that many times, deep kind of black thing in me, like, horrible thing and I remember thinking like I knew it was in there I knew there was something about me I was tense I was aggro I was like really not good and so I knew that if I wanted to be rid of that I needed to take it to Jesus and I knew it was going to be big so I suppose it was the courage and the, the knowing that I needed to get this out. It cannot, if you've got stuff in you that is not good, like that's negative or causing you pain or causing you something that's, not ne that's negative, then you need to get it out. The best place and the only place, and not the only place, but the best place to take it is straight to Jesus, obviously. So there I am with this thing in me, wanting to be rid of it, and so I did. You know, I, I think I've shared. I shut the door. I stayed home instead of going to church. I never went to church. I said, I'm staying home today. Stayed home, locked the lounge room door, took in there journal, pencils, charcoal, tissues, hot drink, everything, and then I literally got a chair at the other side of the coffee table and I said, you, Jesus, you sit there and I'm going to sit here and we're going to deal with this. And I had the chair there. 
And uh, like, I had hardly finished telling him what I wanted and it happened, you know. I had this amazing hour or maybe, I don't know how long it was, of, re of agony, absolute agony of an anger. That, that agony of anger, all mixed to grief of anger, all mixed together and God worked with me in that room. Like I cried, I sobbed, I scribbled, I drew, I wrote. I wrote about how painful the whole th years had been. I just really um, positioned myself with God, with the practical stuff that I knew helped. And I stayed there and I put myself there. And it was hard work. Mm. It was hard work. And I went to church that night, because if you remember, we used to have to go every two, two services in those days. So I go back to church on the evening at six o'clock and this friend who was close to me, Elsa, she saw me walk into church and she said, you look so different. And I knew that the whole, I knew that my whole countenance had changed. I knew that this thing had left me and that God had done this wonderful thing for me. And so, you know, in my counselling now, when I'm counselling people, I say, I say, don't hold on. Don't hold on to things. Be brave enough to meet with this beautiful Jesus and you'll get to know him better because he just knows, he knows anyway. You know how I feel about that. He knows anyway, so. It's that's a long, long No, it's good. It's good. Michael's, uh, the question, how? Could I jump in on that? Yeah. Like I, um, I made a, <laughs> was an expert at holding on to things, I realise now. Um, I was good at stuffing stuff down. Emotions weren't reliable, I thought. Mum didn't express emotions and Dad was a bit of a hothead sometimes and it wasn't a safe thing, I thought, so... Yeah, holding stuff in has has um, wrecked me. It's a bad thing. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, I thank God I've I've learnt to cry and laugh again, and and I um, realise that you know, God is an emotional God, and that's not a bad thing. <laughs> he's um, yeah, he's delighted, joyful, passionate. And angry and protective and yeah, I, um, yeah. So holding stuff on, I'm, I'm learning to yeah, just weep when I need to, or when I'm in the car, just yell out at the top of my voice, "Help! This isn't fair! This is whatever!" Yeah, just uh, yeah, speak it out, not hold it, not not try and hold it in myself. Yeah. I was very private before and I'm trying to learn to connect with God and with people and not be alone, yeah, because I think God wants us to be, uh, yeah, community, love, yeah, not alone. So are you spontaneous with all of that? Oh. Like, you know, or, or, or do you like, you know, um, I only say that because, you know, I, I resonate with that thing of knowing you've got stuff in you and usually the only mm. thing that works for me is to book an appointment with myself like because if I wait till when I feel it, it I never feel it at the right time like I'll feel it when I'm driving the kids to school I'm like well I can't like 
just do it here or now. And then when you've got like three hours at home on your own, you don't feel it, so you don't do it. So I've had to learn like book a time, lock the door, get it ready, make it happen and trust that it'll work. But are you more spontaneous than that? Or- <laughs> I'll have to hear you call, ask I'm spontaneous. I, I wouldn't have been. I'm a lot more now here. Uh, it surprises me, yeah. I thank God for that. I, I guess I'm in a situation I've got it. I'm alone a lot more than you would be. Um, so there's a... Yeah, there's more chance for that, and that can happen for me. Thankfully, I'm yeah thankful for that. Yeah, but um, yeah, practical little things I can do. I um, praying in tongues. Um, you know, <laughs> you're not in control of that. My mind isn't in control of that, and I'm a bit. Skeptical about that. Um, yeah, mind is king. Mind has been king, but it's not anymore. That's um, speaking in tongues doesn't mean my mind is shut down, but it's it's not boss, and it's not. Yeah, it's just teaching mind. You can you can observe, and you're still there, but. This is allowing God's spirit to connect with my spirit, my spirit to connect into my heart, my mind, bypass my mind a bit and get out to my tongue and just uh, emotions and then just just uh, yeah, work on my spirit and exercise my spirit. Um, yes, yeah, so that's a very practical thing for me. Um, yeah, when I don't know what to pray, when I don't know what I'm feeling, thinking, yeah. The Lord's Prayer, just saying Yahweh, God's name. I, I love the name of Yahweh, what it means. Yahweh, you know. You can... Um, yeah. Can I just say, you know, that lovely description of Jesus you just gave at the beginning of that, all that lovely emotional, his emotional, what else did you say? Do you remember? Protective, what else did you say? Yeah, angry. He was, you know, passionate. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? That was a beautiful, I wish I'd have taped that. Did we tape that? <laughs> Good. Because... You know, that's the God that we need to know. If you don't know the jealous God, the passionate God, the protective God, the God that you can, that cries over you, the God that wants to just throw his arms around you, the God with all of the emotion that we have, if you don't know that God, then you are not, you're going to be missing out on something that is just so amazing. And, you know, as a counsellor, I know if you um, meet someone who can cry and then you can, it's, it's like they give you permission to cry. And, um, and so you reflect back the feelings. And so if you know the passionate God or the protective God, you feel it's okay for you to cry. It's okay for you to be emotional with God because he is an emotional God, you know. If you don't know him, then, you know, let's pray for you that you will come to know this God. 
this God. This is a tangible, these are tangible expressions of God. They're the real God. And, you know, if you think to yourself, I don't really know the jealous God, the passionate God, the whatever, what else? Oh, we got it on tape. If you don't know that God, then let's pray for you because that's the God you need to me to keep growing and to be transformed. I feel like to add to that the other... I grew up with a very serious God. Yes. Oh, he was serious. He was busy with Who the world. Who else? He's got saving things God. and he's sacrificing. I mean, he laid his life down. There's lots of blood and, you know, and, yes. and I've discovered the God of fun yes. and humour. You're always and, saying um, that. Let's tell jokes. Yes. Lots of God tells jokes. So. Like I, one of my favourite poems is um, the God fix. and I have become like two giant fat people. We living in a tiny boat, we keep bumping into each other and laughing. And that picture of the spiritual life of just being in this tiny boat with God and really, oh, and I got a friend to, to draw it up for me, really fat. And um, just be bumping into each other and laughing that there is the joy and God wants to laugh with you. And I don't know, that that's another side of God that's like it's, and when you've been to the very deep places of the pain and the agony and the anger and all that, this part of life, it just releases you to also know that, you know, the spiritual life can be like, you know, God building a playground for you mm-hmm. and playing and enjoying him and, yeah, it's, it's good. Hafiz is a good one. Hafiz is, yeah. Because he talks about camels farting and and it relates it all to God. Grabbing God. Right. What is it? Yeah. Go, yeah, grab the camel's balls and yeah. all the... It's just amazing. Sorry. I'm like, sorry, like girls. Like the spiritual life is having the audacity to grab the giant testicles of the elephant right, like, yeah. and have refusing to let go. Like, I will not let you go, God. I am going to, like, wrestle you and we it's are going to do this thing. And like, It's weird, okay, but it, there's something about that that just, like, you laugh at it and this picture is like, oh, can we think of God like that? Well, I think we can. And, um, and spit, spit balls in the classroom yeah, is another yeah. one, you know. We need to stop um, throwing, spit throwing spit balls in class. If you can get hold of a Fitz... Um, Poetry, yeah, H A F I Z. He's, he's, it yes. is absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah, mm. Michael, other Michael. Well, um, yeah, like just following on from you know talking about fits, like one of the first practical things that's really helped me is just like books and podcasts and that sort of stuff. So, you know, like I really love. Um, Richard Raw books, like I read books about, um, you know, like autobiographies of like Dietrich Bonhoeffer or MLK or people like that, like, because that just inspires you, you know, because you just hear about their relationship with Jesus or their embodiment of Jesus' um, nature and of God and, and um, I don't know. So that's just one really practical thing that, you know, there's so many podcasts out there that people can listen to um, and there's so many books that that you can read that just um yeah just expand thinking i guess the flip side of that is that you know uh, as richard raw would say we live our way into a new way of thinking like we don't think our way into a new way of living so but i think it's just one side of the coin that can um that can really help um and like other practical things that that i did like i i did a um richard raw online course called breathing underwater where they take the 12 steps of um, Alcoholics Anonymous and apply it to spiritual growth and looking at um, spiritual 
um, just patterns and, and that kind of stuff. And, and then there's a book that goes with it as well. So I'm not saying everyone go out and do the course, but these are just examples from, from my life that, um, you know, have um, helped form, you know, like different possibilities, I think. Um, and then I, I think um, with... Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, asking questions. That's another big one. And like, especially when you feel frustrated. If you feel frustrated or dissatisfied or defensive, I feel like that's a really good place. I mean, yeah, you can complain to God, whatever. Like, you'll listen to it. But um, I think just being like, God, Jesus, like, why am I um, feeling defensive or frustrated in this moment um and yeah he'll answer with more questions but i've just had really good experiences where he asks you questions so that you just know yourself more and you know him more like he does like whatever answer he gives you it's not the answer you're looking for but it's always better than what you thought it was going to be um so i think just like self dialogue i guess um like i would think of I basically go through phases where there's one prayer that I'll just kind of repeat like I remember when I first got back from South Africa it was like God I'm I'm feeling this and I'm thinking this so I both invite you it's like a both and like I invite you into the process and the space but I'm also aware that you're already in it so it's just being conscious to intentionally invite him but also recognize that he's already there I really like that. I'm always like, God, something slash, something slash, something slash. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, so be weird like that. But yeah, so I just say, like, God, I invite you into the space and into the process to help me see. Um, and like, that was just like a prayer that I just repeated, like, every time I got in that situation. And it doesn't necessarily sound the same now, but yeah. It's, yeah. It's good. Does anyone have a question they want to ask? Uh, how, like, say you're struggling to focus in the moment or to get in that quiet space or when you have a lot going on, how do you kind of, like, get yourself to, like, focus and, yeah, be able to be in that quiet space with him? Like, I'm coming into a really busy season and having to figure out how can I have that quiet space with him amidst the busyness because I can find it really hard when there's a lot to do to be able to quiet my mind, to be able to be in that space. And it's a season when it is really important to make time for that and to be able to process what's going on around me. And so, yeah, just kind of seeing what are some ways that have helped you um, when you've had those situations or where you found it hard to be quiet and, like, focus on God in that time with him. A couple of things. Um, I... Sometimes when I've been stressed out and really can't settle my mind and my heart, I might be pretty tired and go to sleep, but um, that might be a time when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm um, frustrated and tired and need to sleep and focus. But if I get up, it's often in the wee hours of the morning, 2 o'clock, 3, 4 o'clock, and I'll get up and just um, just pray and ask God, what's on his heart or 
maybe just journal, get out stuff that's on my heart and that I've been not dealing with. And um, yeah, that's been a time that I've I've been able to just quietly and then go back to sleep. Um, but also, I think um, exercise has been. I'm realising God's made our bodies, um, and I've been learning at. Um, Lots of different ways about you know body, soul, spirit, and how they're different. But I'm starting to learn how they're interconnected now. And speaking in tongues is a spiritual thing with my body, heart, sort of integrating things. And going for a swim down at the beach just washes through my soul and spirit. Um, just enjoying adventure um yeah not trying to just try hard and do everything right um is yeah freeing for me i yeah just beach or soccer for me i just love it yeah and and god does too he he comes along and i you know sometimes remember to invite him along and say god you want you want to enjoy this with me and uh so my, my daughter teaches me a lot about that uh, and the way that I relate to um, to Meki, and I realise, hey, I get that from God. That that's what you're like, God. And I, I think, yeah, you delight in me. Yeah. Um, I suppose for me, um, if I'm really busy and can't make time, that's when I do my um, beads. I just chant whatever. <coughs> if I have to make time. It'll be, I'll, I'll make time to go down to the beach or something and be in nature. But sometimes, because you're saying when you're so busy, you want to make time, is that what you're saying? Well, what if you can't? So I'm staffing a school. Yes. So, like, my days are going to start really early already. Yes. And so I find it easier normally to meet him in the morning. But then I'm, like, looking at my schedule. How am I going to have time in the morning with everything? And we're going to be sitting in in class and stuff, and I'm sure things are going to come up to be need to process in my own life, and finding that important to have the time to do that. But then looking and seeing like how am I going to fit that in my schedule? But I think having like a prayer that I can repeat will also help me like yeah because help um, focus on him. Um, oh, I was just thinking of something that's gone. Um. You know, um, if you haven't got actual physical time, like hours or minutes to put aside to walk away, you can still be conscious of God. And um, you don't have to go meet with him. He's already, you know, you know this stuff. There's, there's, no, there's no meeting with him. It's just doing your life because he's already here. <laughs> he's already there with you. And so to just be conscious of that, I think, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. You got your own. Um, I'll hold it. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, um, I think Kara said this one point, very wise words, that um, in, in different seasons, um, the goalposts might change, but the goal is still the same. So I feel like if it's a, a busier period or something like that, um, or maybe in a quieter period, it, it, like time with God or just time with yourself and time to process whatever it is, um, yeah, it looks like something that is more kind of like still and easy to fit in, but then in times of busyness, um, it might be just um, 
something else, you know, but be just more in the moment. And so I guess, like, for me, I just kind of accept life in its different um, seasons when it looks a bit different. But I, I know that there's always the goal of just finding some some peace or just processing and, and that kind of thing. And I guess I just try not to um, hold it too rigidly of, like, oh, it's got to look like this or it's got to look like that. I just... Um, Sometimes, like, if I, like, to be honest, it's probably the worst advice, but, like, if I, like, sit down to, like, you know, like, focus, and then if I'm, like, not feeling it, I'm just, like, no, <laughs> just go do something else. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I think, um, I think I grew up, oh, no, somewhere along the, the way in my Christian learning, I imagined that, like, your quiet time was, like, like special and, like, a date with the Lord, like, you know, so it was like really, and you should do it every day. And therefore, if I missed it, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, and, it, and it brought me anxiety around doing it. I had to do this thing. But also brought me anxiety around how God felt about me if I didn't do it. And then you get married and you realise that you don't do date every day. Like, there is money in the bank in a relationship, so to speak, where, you know, life happens and you get in times where you like, you're overlapping for 20 minutes with your husband, you know, every day. And there's stretches of busyness and, and what looks like disconnect, but doesn't feel like disconnect because it's about the relationship. So I would say when we have a relationship with God, if we miss a week or a month of like dates, you've got enough to hold you. And the the flybys are like God understands that. Like he understand like it's like in a you understand that like just because you haven't had like total like focused attention on each other for like a while, it's okay. You're not gonna get divorced. It's just a season and you you roll through it and then you get back to the rhythms of intimacy. And you, you I kind of feel like that with God. It's let me off the hook to think, oh, I've got to be intimate or somehow he's disappointed if I'm not. It's like, hey, we're just entering into like super busy season, God. So come with me and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll nudge each other and, and and that will come to an end and then we'll, we'll there'll be more intimacy. And that's why having like regular practices where you're meeting with Jesus, it does build the relationship that sustains you in the times when you actually are just flying. And I think that's what I've learned. Um, I'm just aware of the time. I feel like, you know, we could chat all night, but we shouldn't. Um, Linda, I think you should pray for people who want to be more intimate. Do you want to do that? Yes, of course. You lead us. Take us on. Okay. You mean corporately? Well, I don't know. Maybe there are people who want, we could just pray. I don't know. I, I think, anyway. well, let me pray corporate, corporately. But if you want to have prayer for yourself about that, come and see at me or a leader and say to them, I don't really experience Jesus like that. Be honest. Be, be honest. Um, I was reading, let me just throw this in, the repentance that I was talking about, the rep- repentance of no regret. That's repenting with no regret. God, I'm sorry I don't know you like that, but I want to. <laughs> you know, that's, I've suddenly realised what it means, repentance with no regret. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for your love. It is immense and it is all over us. We thank you, Jesus I thank you, Jesus, for the intimacy that you offer us, Lord God. And I ask, Lord God, that we would just jump into it, Lord Jesus, that we would um, 
and not hesitate, not hold back, Lord God, but it's the intimacy that transforms us. It's the intimacy with you that helps us to be more like you, to love like you and to forgive like you and to have mercy and thankfulness like you. And so, Lord God, I just pray for all of us here. I pray for our whole community. Lord God, that we would be people of intimacy, that we would be people that cry out to you, Lord God, that we would know your heart, that we would crawl inside of your heart, Lord God, and know those places in you that are powerful, Lord Jesus. And so I just ask this in your mighty name, Lord God, for all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. Any, any final words you guys want to offer? I mean, I, mean, I should have said that before we prayed, but anyway. You can say no. I want to share just one final thing. I've found learning a lot about God's freedom. Jesus came to set us free been teaching us. And, um, yeah, I... I'm in a place where I've um, been able to set aside a month, uh, weekend a month to go up to a place called LL where I just learn some, just get some healing and teaching and go along to Alan Cheryl's mm-hmm. most Monday nights just to learn some prayer and to do dialogue with God and help lead other people and myself in um, just asking God the right questions and... Uh, Realizing how God, He just wants to set us free, and yeah, and He He's a God of rest, fun. <laughs> uh, be yourself, because God likes you. <laughs> I'll say that. It's good. Well, thanks, guys. Um, Go and have fun with Jesus this week and uh, keep talking about the way you relate to him. And if you want these, you know, there's wisdom here with these guys and many others to just lean in and, and learn and, yeah, that we would keep beholding Jesus and know him. Very good. <laughs> what is it? You're doing the grab. The yeah, the ball grab. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, have a fantastic week, everyone. Enjoy and uh, 